Back with you, Hour 2, just getting started. Welcome in. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team. They are your home team. Across the great state of Mississippi, Farm Bureau Insurance. Great people. Hometown heroes. Somebody you can deal with one-on-one, face-to-face. You know, you have that accident, that fender bender, God forbid, but it may happen. It's probably going to happen at some point. You don't have to wait until business hours, air quotes. You know, and then and then call some 800 number and sit on the phone on hold with somebody three states away. Nope. Everything. Adjusters, agents, everything with Farm Bureau Insurance right here at home in Mississippi. It's the way it ought to be, really, with everything. It's not the way it is with everything. But it is the way it is with your insurance if you let Farm Bureau Insurance handle it. All right. Thanks for tuning in. If you're watching on the live stream on Facebook, Periscope, YouTube, hey to y'all. You're on the radio, 105.9 The Zone, ESPN, Central Mississippi, Jackson. Hey to y'all, if you're listening to the replay. Vicksburg, WVBG. What's up, everybody in the bird? Y'all text me, call me, tweet me, all that stuff. Text line's wide open, 885-ESPN, 601 number, 885-ESPN. A few headlines that are out there right now. Let's see, Mel Kuyper Jr., Release his top five prospects for the upcoming 2021 NFL Draft. Number one, Trevor Lawrence. Number two, Sewell, the offensive tackle at Oregon. Number three, Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio State. Number four, Jamar Chase, wide receiver, LSU. He's a quitter. Number five, Micah Parsons, outside linebacker, Penn State. That's the top five. Also, Yahoo Sports Report right now, popping up out there. Right here recently, one-third of COVID-19 positive Big Ten athletes have myocarditis. That's the heart inflammation. Penn State's director of athletic medicine says. Problem with that is, as soon as they put that report out there, somebody with some other Big Ten school puts out a Thing that says none of our players have myocarditis. Not one. <laughs> I don't know who to believe. I mean, honestly, I don't know. Uh, Ohio State has reported 882 positive cases. 30 of the 40 Greek houses at Indiana are in quarantine. They got 40 Greek houses? Who? How about that? I think they got a few... Uh... Two German homes too. What you? Oh yeah, got some German ones in there and yeah, forty Greek houses. But the food's good. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> I'll stop. Uh, how about? But I mentioned I, I want to read this text here from Rebel Greg because this this is what I was thinking about last night when I watched this. Some of y'all may have seen it. I don't even know how old it is when it came out. I'm sure I could look it up, but. One of the 30 for 30 documentaries that ESPN did, um, it's called Year of the Scab. And it's about the 1987 NFL strike, player strike, and they use replacement players for a few weeks. And I watched it last night. Maybe it's old. I had no idea it was out, out there. Never heard of it. Boom. Watched it. Loved it. Rebel Greg says... I remember John Forcade, quarterback from Ole Miss, played in the strike season for the Saints. Was was John Forcade the Saints quarterback the whole time during the strike? 
I don't remember the whole uh, season. Yeah. But I, I do remember that he started, I want to say, at least two games. Okay. So, for the majority of the time, at the very least. I thought about that, too, as I was watching it last night. Because that documentary, The Year of the Scab, the reason it is called that, if you didn't know, is when the replacement players came in, they were pretty much harassed, uh, sometimes even physically, by the picketing NFL players, the real NFL players who were picketing and boycotting. They, the, the replacement players were harassed on the buses, getting off the bus while they were at practice by the, by the real NFL players. They were harassed by fans, too. And the name that they called them was Scabs. You're just a bunch of scab players. This documentary focused on Joe Gibbs and the Redskins, the Washington Redskins replacement team. And it was fascinating. Not just because not not just because of the on-field stuff, but all the stories around it. All those things I've never thought of. Let's see. Pat says 4K started the whole time and stayed on the team after the strike. Okay. See, and that's the thing too. That was a part of that deal is learning about how it was on the the replacement players deal was only I guess three weeks of the season in September of '87, right? Because then the real players came back. The strike got busted. The owners didn't give in. Okay. It went long enough that you had enough NFL players who were boycotting and picketing who started going, well, I need the money. And they couldn't hold out. So they had to go back and play. They needed the paycheck. And the owners basically won out. The you know the strike fell apart. And when that happened, the teams came back and 90, what, 9%, 95% of the replacement players all got sent back home to their jobs or bartending or you know, pressure washing or whatever it was they did. But a few of them did get to stay. So apparently, according to Pat, Forcade, John Forcade, came in as a replacement quarterback, a scab player, and stuck on with the Saints the rest of the way. Alex on the Country Pleasing text line says he was 2-1 uh, and one in the replacement games. Played in all three. That's great. Says he was there with the Saints until 91. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that inc- an incredible story? Has anybody ever written a book or made a story like that about John Forcade? And I know a lot of people don't like him because he's brash. He'd tell you what he thinks. He's a little cocky. But, you know, now looking back on it, what a story. Uh, Let's see, the real Eric. uh, The movie The Replacement starring Keanu Reeves, loosely based on that strike in 87. Here's what it said about it. Okay, here's what it said, at least in the description. I feel like I need some NFL music. I'm late on it, though, so I'm just going to move ahead. Uh, here's what it said. Two weeks into the 1987 season. What were you doing in 1987, John? Uh, depends. In <laughs> January, I, I'd been married a year, and in March, I took my first church position full-time in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Oh, really? You were in Oklahoma? Okay. Yeah. So when this all happened in the fall, you would have been out in Oklahoma. A young pastor cutting his teeth. That's great. Yep. All right, so two weeks into the 87 season, the NFL players went on strike. For the first time in the history of professional sports in the U.S., replacement players took the field. 
No names, has-beens, never would-bees were plucked from obscurity for one last chance at football immortality. What they didn't know was that their golden ticket would become a scarlet letter. <laughs> How dramatic is that? <laughs> Crossing the picket line to play in the NFL changed their lives, but not in the way they'd expected or hoped. Nowhere, let's see, they were disposable. Nowhere was this more true than the nation's capital. They're talking about the, the Redskins. Um, and then there's this line. It says, the solidarity of striking players eroded and superstars crossed the lines to join the ranks of the scabs in replacement football games. By the end of the strike, Washington stood alone, not only as the only team to have no help from veteran players, but also as the only replacement team to go undefeated. They went 3-0 and in replacement games. And like you say, the third one is they beat the Cowboys, who had Tony Dorsett and all of them back. And the replacement players went to Dallas and beat them. It was a final like 13-7 to or something like that. 13-6, I believe. 13-6. Directed by... It's the same director for that particular documentary, John Dorsey, that did uh, the Pony Express. Yeah, he did that yeah. one. He did the Todd Marinovich documentary also. Um, well, anyway, you know, there's a couple of things. I, I would encourage anybody to watch it. I would also say probably don't watch it with young children because there's some language in there that you probably don't want them to hear uh, at one time or another. But the... Um, one thing, the lesson that stood out to me, and it came from Joe Gibbs. I don't know how familiar everybody is with Joe Gibbs, but this resonated with me. He was all about team chemistry. This guy was a coach, a Super Bowl winning coach, as it were, because the Redskins came back and went on and beat the Broncos in the Super Bowl that year. A big, huge part of this story in 87, the strike team, Washington was the last team for all their players to come back. The scabs went 3-0. and They sent all the scabs home. At the end of the year, the team goes and wins the Super Bowl and didn't give the scabs any Super Bowl rings. <laughs> didn't invite them back. They told some of the scabs players who had played for them and gone 3-0 and that they could come to the Super Bowl, but they'd have to buy a ticket. And then finally, in 2018, Members, uh, surviving members of that Scabs team got Super Bowl rings from the organization. But anyway. Hey, I, uh, I'm trying to send you an article, but for some reason it won't let me copy and paste. But uh, SI did a story in 2017, the 30-year anniversary of the Scabs. Yeah. They picked the, uh, the best Scab players. Yeah. And uh, one of the ones that you're talking about, Lionel Vital or Vital, yeah, he was a uh, running back, from running Washington, back. yeah, mm -hmm. but uh, he is now the director of college scouting for the Dallas Cowboys. For the Cowboys, is that right? What a story! Several of them they follow. There's a guy out there who's a a youth league coach. Um, the I think his last name was Johnson, JB, the backup quarterback on the Scabs team. That they right. they. Tony Johnson, the former University of Tennessee quarterback who uh, played against Bo Jackson and those Auburn teams and stuff and at kind of at the height of his college career got sent to jail on cocaine charges. And 
the Redskins pulled him out of jail. They had some type of parole deal where he could come and play for the scab team. And as long as he was playing, he was free. And as soon as he was done playing football, he had to go turn himself back in. Yes, former Tennessee quarterback. He was a big part of this story. He came off the bench. The, the scab quarterback got hurt in the game against Dallas in 87. So convict, Tony, I think it's Johnson. Tony Robinson. Robinson, Tony Robinson, convict, comes off the bench for Washington, leads the victory in Dallas. They go 3-0 th- and as scabs. When the game's over, the strike is over. They release Tony Robinson. The next day, he's extradited back to Knoxville, Tennessee, turns himself in, and serves over four years in prison. The day after leading the Redskins to the win over Dallas in Dallas. It's incredible. But, but, but the thing that stood out to me was Joe Gibbs. He told, he not only told his real team, you know, Jay Schrader, quarterback, all those guys. He not only told them, his real team, on this strike deal, you either all go do it or none of you go do it. And he's, he simply said, I just felt like for our team chemistry that when these guys do come back, they needed to be together one way or the other. So based on his advice, his entire football team went out on strike and his entire football team was the last one to come back. But in the meantime, he had to coach the scab team. And one of the things that they kind of highlighted was Joe Gibbs' ability to facilitate team chemistry among the scab players. He was really caught in the middle on the whole thing. And their chemistry and their sort of playing together. And in that game against Dallas, you know, again, it's a full replacement player team for Washington. They're in their third and final game. They know it's the third and final game. It's the last one. These players that are playing for the Redskins in Dallas against the Cowboys are playing against Tony Dorsett and all a bunch of their guys who, frankly, they weren't playing their best. Okay, They weren't fully invested. But that was the key. This group of scab players were together and were playing together and were fully invested in a game and were playing their butts off because they knew when this game is over, they're sending me back to my job. One guy's going to go and, you know, he's a painter. Another guy's going to go, he works for a delivery service. Your starting safety is going to go, he worked for a real estate company. He said, we're all in this ballgame going we have to play well and win. This is it. It's the last one we're ever going to play in. And a bunch of no-names with no ability beat Tony Dorsett and the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas because the Cowboys weren't together and weren't invested. It is a great example of how important chemistry is. Motivation, but just chemistry and togetherness as a group. A team approach versus a non-team approach. The non-team approach will underachieve according to their talent every single time. And the team approach, if it's genuine, will overachieve according to their God-given ability every time. 
And that is a great, finite example of that. Those Cowboys were so talented. Okay, we're talking million-dollar star. Those Cowboys were so talented that even on a bad day, even if half of them had the flu, they were so talented that they should have been able to just walk out there and beat that replacement team from Washington. It's how talented Washington, uh, how talented Dallas was. But they didn't, and they couldn't, because the difference was the scabs, the non-talented, small, brought-them-off-the-street group were playing together like their life depended on it. And the big, bad, talented Cowboys didn't really want to be there. And what happened, they got beat. Gator Nation on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. You're Kubota dealer. What's up, Gator Nation? Hey, man, how are you doing today? Just right. Hey, I can't understand what you're saying. It's I don't know if we got a bad connection or what that is, but maybe back. Can you hear me better now? Yeah, back maybe like back away from the phone like an inch or two, and let's see if that helps. Okay, how about this? That's better. Let's try that. Okay, I said was yesterday a great day for me or what? Why is that? Well, first of all, we signed. The book signed Leonard Fournette. We already got Shady McCoy. But the the best news, and really, I, I, I wasn't able to listen to your show yesterday. I wanted to get your opinion on Jamie Newman using the coronavirus as, as, as an excuse. And really, he was scared to death to play the Gators this year. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, he knew he was the quarterback is Hey, do you have, is that an official report that he's he's uh, opting out because he's scared to play the Gators? Is that official? Oh, absolutely. 100% bona fide. If you don't believe me, uh, check with Gator Man. He'll tell you. <laughs> Gator Man. All right, so we're getting it from Gator Nation. Gator Man oh. would tell us the same thing. And maybe, maybe oh, who absolutely. else? Maybe who else? Gator Greg? He might even tell us yeah, that Gator too. Gator huh? Gator Man. I mean, half of your listeners are Gator fans, Matt. You know that. <laughs> I really believe that, you know, according to the uh, text line. But, I mean, as a former player, it, it, the coronavirus has been around here for since March or so. Why don't you wait a, a month before the season starts? If you didn't want to play, why don't you wait this long? Listen, that's the whole deal. I was in a, in a messaging back and forth with a friend of mine who's an LSU guy. and You know, there's some agreement there. I mean, they hate it. But there's just no way to defend like Jamar Chase at LSU going through two weeks of practice. Here's the other thing about it. Here's what people don't understand about it also, how selfish that is. If it's Let's say it like it is, Gator Nation. If it is health-related for the player or like a family member health-related, then, then we all have to shut up and understand. Okay, that's different. But if it's not health-related, which in these cases it does not appear to be, and they're just using that as an excuse, the opt-out option here, you know, redundant, but then it is they're not only they're not only quitting on their team, they have taken up two weeks of practice reps from somebody else who could use it, the team who could use it. They have gone to class in one way or the other, which means – that scholarship is now taken and done. It's used up. Nobody, they can't take that scholarship we had allotted for Jamie Newman at Georgia or Jamar Chase at LSU, and we can't take that scholarship and give it to somebody else now. It's used up. Let me, let me ask you this, Matt, real quick. Uh, in a situation like this, because I know they said Tyler Newman, number six on his quarterback board, 
if you're an NFL team, does that make you have bad thoughts about him yeah. as a person, the way he yeah. turned his back on his team? Oh, sure it does. I Look at and, and I said this the other day, Gator Nation. We should all understand, by and large, we all don't need to take character lessons from the NFL. Okay, but right. having said that, there are coaches and there are evaluators and scouts who will downgrade those guys because they quit. Right. Okay, and and if, I don't care if you run a four three and are you know Megatron two point you may be that good, but if I can't count on you being there, then what good does it do me? If you're a 4.3 in Megatron 2.0, you know, so there's some of them are going to look at that. Everybody who is an evaluator of quarterbacks, Jamie Newman played one year, full year as a starter in the ACC. That's not enough. Right. You know, look at Cole Kublik put it out there today. He never had a 300 yard passing game versus a power five team. He needed to play at Georgia to improve his stock. So, I don't know what it's about. It's not about NFL for Jamie Newman. It's about competition. He was getting beat out for the job at Georgia and decided to walk. And those guys in the NFL are not going to respect that at all. I appreciate it, Matt. Y'all have a good weekend. Yeah, appreciate the call. See, what we got down to right there, it didn't have anything to do with being scared of Florida. (laughs) Just a cold, hard fact. (laughs) Just the cold, hard facts. That's right. All right. Alex and Gator Man and all y'all, I'm coming to your texts next on the Country Pleasing text line. Stick around. Back with you. Rolling along here on this Thursday. Game day. In the great state of Mississippi. Yep, college game day in Mississippi. Kickoff tonight, 8 o'clock, Hattiesburg. It won't be long now. It won't be long now. I really enjoyed talking about uh, that documentary that I watched. It's just because it's fresh in my mind. I watched it last night. ESPN 30 for 30. The name of it is Year of the Scab. And um, it's about the strike in the NFL in 1987. Three games were played around the league with replacement players, and they got named the Scab players. And a lot of really interesting stories that came out of that. Looks like uh, on the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment, Madison and Jackson, Lewis has an interesting Scab story. Lewis, thanks for calling. What's up? Yeah, man, I I couldn't help but think uh, back in the way back machine when you started talking about the scab season, and I got tickled and thought of where I was. Uh, we I was living in Florida at the time, so we slid over to catch the Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs game, and it was the first game, regular season game, quote unquote, in Joe Robbie Stadium. Oh wow, really? Yeah, and all the, uh, not all of them, but a good bit of the starters and stuff were in the parking lot, you know, where they're picketing and such. And, uh, it was, it was pretty festive. And <laughs> they, there were all the tales going around that, yeah, these, these guys that are crossing the line, their, their name's going to be mud. But it created a pretty much of a, a social opportunity. I, 
I know I know a lot of the guys that sat next to us were imbibing and uh, cheering for the guy who was the <laughs> quarterback. His name was Stan Cabbage, I think was his last name. Okay. Cabbage and, like, and like the, cabbage that you eat? No, I think the last name in, in its entirety was like Stan Cabbage. Oh, oh I Stan see. Cabbage. Okay. I got you. I got you. Okay. And he had he had played for Mac Brown over at Carolina before coming on board with the Dolphins. Very cool. And but most of the people didn't know who he was. So we we were all cheering like he was, you know, Johnny United. Stan <laughs> Cabbage, you know. He's he's gonna take us to the promised land. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty and it was drizzly and wet and uh who would have known? And then fast forward to the end of the year I had moved to Denver. And the lowly Dolphins had only gone like eight and eight. They they didn't go anywhere. But the I was convinced. Well, my new team, the Broncos, they, they're going to the Super Bowl, and we got we got handed <laughs> uh-huh. to us by the Redskins that you mentioned. And I'd forgotten how the season had ended up until you brought it up. I, I look forward to seeing this this thirty for thirty. It sounds like a good one. It, it is, and the thing that I don't know right now is like how new they were or weren't. I'm I'm sorry. Let me back up. How new this documentary is or isn't like it came out can, in 2017. Okay, so see, we're talking about it's three years old, and I had no earthly idea, Lewis, that it even existed, which is what's I've forgotten most of it, uh, uh, you know, uh, but you brought it back as if it had happened yesterday because we were all, uh, it, it was all, you know, tongue in cheek, but we enjoyed it nonetheless. And uh, I know that, like, John Bosa was the big draft pick. Uh-huh. And we didn't we didn't get to experience that. We we had to experience the scabs that day. <laughs> right. What was the crowd like uh that day? You you mentioned it outside the stadium. It was about seventy five percent capacity, I'd say. Um, you know, it was a new venue. It was brand new. That was literally the first uh regular season, if you will, game yeah. for the Dolphins. It had just been rolled out as Joe Robbie Stadium. It was it was a light rain throughout the course of the game. Uh, the crowd was festive, you know. Everybody was having a big time with it as a as a punchline type thing. But sure. you know, we we got to see some football, and I was at the first game at Joe Robbie Stadium. The first one there, isn't that cool? That is really cool. Yeah, thanks for uh, calling, Lewis. Appreciate the story. Yeah, yeah. Call me anytime. Yeah. So how about that? So that year on the strike year, Lewis himself. Was at the first game ever at Joe Robbie Stadium, okay, and then later that year decided he was going to be a Broncos fan, and so he rooted for them in a Super Bowl and the Washington Redskins just ran them right out of the stadium. Doug Williams set all kinds of records <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, they had a rough—I mean, great year, but then kind of a a rough ending. That's really interesting. And when he mentioned Stan Cabbage that that brought back. He stayed on the Dolphins as a. Uh, roster player after the okay uh, the the uh, strike when Marino came back yeah Marino and uh, the old man Don Strock mm-hmm. uh, but uh, Stan Cabbage evidently broke the uh, the picket line and played how about that neat stuff you know he described that okay so that was the other thought um, this whole picketing and boycotting deal that's what the NFL players did in 1987. You know, so over 30 years ago, that's what they did. They go, we're not going to play. We're, we're on strike. Well, they didn't just go away. 
and not show up for practice and not play while the NFL tried to figure it out. They were very public. They had signs. I'm talking NFL star players <laughs> walking around outside the stadium on game day, boycotting and picketing and yelling. They showed video in this thing of the bus, the team bus with the replacement players on it coming into the Washington facility for practice is pulling in there. And the real players are out trying to block the bus from getting in there. Then when they couldn't block the bus, they sort of got out of the way. One guy, one player for the Redskins, reaches up and just punches the glass and shatters the glass of one of the windows in the bus. I mean, it's crazy. And all that stuff happening in 87. And I thought, JB. Yes, sir. What would happen, you know, we've got right now, this year, in college football, we've had players form unity groups. Well, two years ago, we had some players try to form a union. That didn't work. Right. Now we've had players, you know, forming unity groups in different conferences, handing over lists of demands. We've got players opting out, stuff like that. What if you looked up next year and entire groups and teams of in college football and conferences, you know, there was this solidarity and they all went on strike basically to like over anything, you know, college football, we want you to pay the players or we want this or we want that. We want a portion of your revenue. What if it really happened? The line could not form fast enough for people that wanted to take their place. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. That's what I'm getting at. Yep. This, I'm watching this thing that happened 30 years ago in the NFL going, I wonder if you could ever have anything like that in college football. Because 30 years ago, here's this guy over here, okay, who was working for a delivery service in New York, his hometown, and an NFL team calls him and says, hey, you want to come play football for us? We need players. He drops what he's doing, doesn't even question it because it's a dream come true for him to get to go practice in an NFL uniform for Joe Gibbs and play in NFL stadiums. After these guys made the decision to go be the replacement players is when they started learning how people were calling them names and how... like. It was potentially dangerous with these big NFL players striking outside their practice facility. But they went and did it anyway because that's how bad they wanted to play. And if you had... Striking their jobs and striking other things as well. <laughs> well, striking everything. <laughs> and breaking out windows. Chris, on the Divinity Equipment phone line. I agree with you, JB, by the way. I, it... it Every player in college football right now in Division I or in the FBS or in Power 5, they could all strike. And all it would take is one signing class, one year, and every one of those schools would have a full signing class of 25 and start reloading their roster right now with thousands of players who would kill at the chance to get to play in Davis-Wade Stadium. Well, the the other thing you you said there, phrasing before we go to Chris, is can you imagine walking to your dad – I can't imagine walking to my dad with a list of demands about what I expect to get from him. It's just not going to happen. No, you know? And these guys, you know, I understand amateurism and all that stuff, but, but they are some of the most coddled people in the world. Yeah. And think about how fortunate they are to get to play college football, mm-hmm. you know.
Yeah. I just, you, you can't. Uh, yeah, it, it, uh, there's a lot of void of reality going on. Right. All right. Exactly. Uh, Chris, thanks for calling and hanging on. What's up, man? Nothing much. Hey, man, I listen to a bunch of the, uh, the cowboy podcast and stuff. And Nate Newton is one of the, uh, one of the, the, the hosts on one of those shows. Mm-hmm. And he's told stories about how Washington was just like they, Washington and Philadelphia, they would just line up the road coming into those places. Mm-hmm. And they throw eggs and beer bottles and all kinds of stuff. And I think Washington was the place where um, the Cowboys beat the Redskins at the end of the the end of the year, going into the playoffs to put them out of the playoffs. And some of their fans were throwing beer bottles at the Cowboy players as they were leaving. I wouldn't be so, surprised. I've always yeah. I've I've always heard it was Philadelphia, but a lot of those places are rough, you know. Yeah, well, they, 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 they're all nasty. You have a good day, and all I'll right. talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Chris. I don't know if they throw beer bottles anymore, but nowadays it's Buffalo fans that get this rowdy reputation outside the stadium. They throw cauliflower wings. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, well, so what? The birds won't even eat those. Cauliflower wings. Give me a break. We'll wrap up hour number two with you next. Y'all stick around. Back with you. Getting ready to wrap it up here in hour number two. Hour three, take a peek at the high school schedule. Talk a little bit about what's going on in Georgia. And see what we get into in hour three. That's coming up. So we've got a good ways to go with you here. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. I stay connected to you around the clock, not just while we're on the air, but even off the air. Around the clock, tweeting, uploading, posting, streaming, all that. Because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi, C Spire, they are customer inspired. Real quick, country pleasing text line. Alex said Todd Marinovich, I think, could have been great had he not landed in Oakland. Is super duper talented. I know that. That's just a and then you you know, just a tragic story, really, is what that is. Unnamed Texter said, Is the Southern Miss game tonight behind a paywall in the CBS network? No, not that I'm aware of. If you have some type of television package, whether it's cable or direct or dish or maybe you know, Hulu and you're a cord cutter like me, any of those things that give you this particular channel, CBS College Sports, the CBS College Sports Channel. They may have some other kind of variation of the name. I checked it this morning. We get it, you know, on Hulu. That's where the game is going to be. 8 o'clock kickoff scheduled tonight in Hattiesburg. Unnamed texter said, I hear you guys say scab, and it reminds me of a Seinfeld episode of Kramer telling what, yelling scab at those crossing the picket line? He had a picket line going. <laughs> yeah, that's the turn. Scab. Gator Man said facts. And then Tiger David said, are we going to be like the Chinese and wear a mask from now on? You know, I kind of I, I kind of doubt that. Yeah, I kind of doubt it, really. The only time I think I'll wear a mask forever is if I get to be Batman. Now, that would be a cool mask to wear. Right yeah, I mean, you know, be who you are is what I say. I'll tell be you who this. you are. But if you can be Batman, 
Be Batman. Be Batman. <laughs> hey, if I could get away with being a, a luchador, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Nacho Libre? <laughs> yeah. You know, the mask, <laughs> the masked wrestlers in Mexico, the... <laughs> You, have to, you know, you have to tie it up in the back of your head. I would wear that one around if they'd let me get away with it. I honestly would. There but is you don't no, look anything like Jack Black. No, not yet. I could, I could work on it, you know. I could eat more, you know, fried cauliflower. Maybe that would work. <laughs> uh, put on a few and then walk around and, as he says, stretchy pants. And wear the luchador mask. Now, there's no cooler mask in the world than that of a luchador which i would wear if they'd let me get away but nobody's gonna let me get away with that but i just hope you will allow me please right now to get away with team number two on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days 100 teams 100 days the Countdown is presented by Matt Anderson Properties, a member of National Land Realty. Call Matt Anderson at 408-5155. That's 408-5155. Matt Anderson with the National Land Realty. He can help you. Matt's a great guy, kind of guy you want to talk to. And look, I'm serious. If you're any kind of property anywhere in the state of Mississippi... From the coast all the way to Tennessee, to Alabama, to Louisiana, Arkansas, anywhere in the state of Mississippi, if you're buying or selling land, any kind, this is who you need to talk to first. Trust me. Matt Anderson with National Land Realty, 601-408-5155, 408-5155. Team number two from the SEC. Send those yellow jackets to a watery grave. The Alabama Crimson Tide. Number two. Well, who's number one? I don't know. Listen tomorrow and find out. Sing it. Ah, fooey, fooey. <laughs> Bama's pluck and grit have writ her name in something in fame. The million dollar band. There, get this, JB. Yeah. The million dollar band at Alabama, and they still aren't worth as much as the team is. They might not even be as worth <laughs> as much as the defense. They're not as much as worth the running back. <laughs> the coach could buy a new million dollar band every month if he wants to, just about. Maybe not, you know, technically, but close to it anyway. Alabama's going to start it off at Missouri. Here's why Alabama. How about, hey, how about this, JB? Before Talk I go into their schedule, the yeah. opening line of the Alabama forecast in the uh, 
Phil Steele, College Football Preview Magazine, says this. Bama has not won a national title since way back in 2017. Mm. And then he had the gall, the unmitigated (laughs) gall, to write this. And last year they finished a disastrous number eight in the final polls. (laughs) How how many schools would love to have that be said about them? (laughs) Let me see here. Yeah, exactly. I was going to look and see Alabama the last five years, 11 and 2, 14 and 1, 13 and 1, 14 and 1, 14 and 1. <laughs> and we're 11 and 2 last year. Tua got hurt. They returned seven on offense, including Mac Jones. They returned five on defense, loaded with five star players. Do you think um, they're getting complacent? That's why see, their record's so bad the last few years. This year will tell you. Now, I know that it's not a normal year. And I know they haven't had a spring like everybody else. And I know that practice is off. And I know that there are a lot of college coaches who feel like the games are going to be sloppy and not typical. Okay, fine. But I believe that this is going to tell you if Alabama has gotten complacent. Because of what I just told you that Phil Steele puts in there. If you don't think Nick Saban doesn't understand that, he understands it intimately better than we do, JB. Oh, yeah. This whole stuff of what Clemson is doing and, and Ohio State and what other teams are doing. Well, you know, the the crazy, crazy media buzz going on now is that this is Dabo's last year at Clemson. Hmm. The only way he's leaving Clemson is to go to Alabama. They're saying NFL. Nah, fooey. How, how often does that work out for the college coach? It doesn't. Now, here's the thing. He <laughs> may be – Dabo – you know, getting a glimpse of his personality, he may be sick and tired of the recruiting. Okay. Dabo also may know something we don't. Maybe Clemson's about to get popped in their recruiting. All in the world they've done is replicate what Ohio State and Alabama and LSU does. They just go out and basically buy a roster with a big, bad alumni base that's got money and gets really interested in it. And, and yeah. look, it just is what it is. Okay. It's no different than Duke basketball, Kansas basketball. You know, it's not like I'm. I'm not criticizing them. I'm just stating what is. That's You're what not making is. a judgment. You're making no. an observation. Right. And so, you know, if there was a situation where, oh, they're about to get popped and, and all this, and you know, but they're not. The NCAA just laid off 500 people yesterday. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. You know, so. Sure did. And I also noticed that um, a lot of the Big Ten schools are cutting back their athletic administrative staffs. Sure. Like a Michigan fired uh, mm-hmm. or laid off thirty something people this week, right? They're but, all. But I, I didn't want to get get you away from Alabama. But okay, when you talked about Dabo and and you know all that kind of stuff. I just thought, well, yeah, you know, ha, well, ha, you know, Nick's not complacent. He's not complacent, and and they finished eighth last year. They didn't win it, and LSU did. And doggone if they don't have a schedule that is a little bit conducive. Now that ought to get you on board with this Alabama talk, JB, because. That was your first reaction when they put the schedule out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so they're going to start at Missouri, win. They're going to host Texas A&M, win. They're going to Ole Miss in week three, win. Then they're going to host Georgia on October the 17th. Georgia, not LSU. Georgia, not Auburn, who beat them last year. Georgia is the one team on their schedule with enough fours and five stars that compares to Alabama. If Georgia puts it together, I don't know who's going to be their quarterback. Maybe it is JT Daniels. Maybe he is 
the next best thing. He's that good. And he's healthy by the time Georgia goes to Tuscaloosa on October 17th. That's the season for Alabama. Yeah, and and more than any other time in in recent history, the first three games are going to matter, not because of wins and losses, but what kind of depth chart are you going to have? What kind of COVID yeah. cases are you going to have? Are, Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. It's going to be big. It's a great point because we don't know if all these players are available by the time they get to that week four game. All I know is on paper, Alabama wins them all. They have an open date before they go to LSU in November. They're going to beat the brakes off of LSU. Go undefeated, Alabama will. After losing to Auburn last year, they'll beat them this year in Tuscaloosa. And they will meet Florida in the SEC title game. They'll run Florida out of there. Alabama's going to be serious about it this year, I believe. If they're not, JB, then yes, the gig, if they don't run people out this year, then the gig is up. Yep. The, the gig is up. All right, hour three coming up. Y'all stick around. <laughs> 